Amen. You guys can have a seat. So glad that you have joined us to worship this morning. Uh, man, I'm excited to be back in the book of Ephesians this morning. But I just want to say last week, uh, I just thank you guys for being a part of that because God truly did some amazing things in people's lives. Like we've been hearing stories of marriages that were reconciled, relationships that were broken, that were being healed and brought back together, people that were just weeping over the goodness of God. We had people give their life to Christ last weekend. Salvation happened. Like it was such, yeah, you can applaud that. It was such an amazing weekend to just seek the face of God. So I just thank you for you that were a part of it last week. Uh, I just want you to know that God used it in incredible ways. And I hope you were blessed by it as I know I was um, as well. Well, we're back into the book of Ephesians, and if you're new with us this morning, we're going through a series um, through Ephesians called Threaded with Redemption. Really, the story of Ephesians is just the message of the gospel all the way through and how Christ has come to redeem what is broken. It truly is an amazing thing when you think about all that God has done for us. And so this morning, we're going to finish chapter four, but I don't know about you, once in a while you might get a new jacket. Uh, I bought a new jacket a couple years ago for hunting, and you're all thinking, oh, that's a shocker. What a surprise. But I always had this old jacket that I would wear hunting, and I was always cold when I was trying to hunt a deer in the rut because it's always freezing. You're sitting in the top of some clear cut, and you're just freezing your tail off. And a couple years ago, I brought, bought this QU jacket. It was a super down, and it's awesome because it's light. It's warm, it packs, you can throw it in your pack, and when you sit down and you sweat all the way up the mountain, you can actually stay warm. But the interesting thing about this was the only difference in me staying warm and being cold was the jacket. It had nothing to do with anything that I did. Think about it. My old jacket, I would do the exact same thing, and when it was 10 degrees, I would sit at the top of a clear cut and freeze. Until one year, I'm like, okay, I'm going to change this. So I bought a new jacket. It was the same temperature, the same hike. And the only difference was the jacket that I had on actually kept me warm. So I did away with the old jacket, and I put on the new jacket, and immediately my body was warm. See, what we saw a couple weeks ago in Ephesians is Paul was saying the same thing. It's time to put off the old and put on the new. And what we're going to see this morning is really what that looks like. See, Paul was saying, in the same way that we put aside an old jacket that isn't doing what the new one can do, is the same thing with our walk with God. That he's just saying, listen, this is not, this list that we're about to walk through is not like, hey, you need to do this, and you need to put off anger, and you need to put off bitterness, and you need to put off all of these things. He's saying, actually, at the crux of it, the key is to put on the likeness of God, and the result of that is God really does the work in you. He's saying, put on the new jacket, let me be the one that warms you. Nothing has changed other than you did away with that old garbage, and you put on the new one, and then I do amazing things. That's all Paul's saying this morning, and my prayer all week has been this, that we would leave this room realizing that as we put away our old jacket and our old self, and we put on the new QU super down, that nothing has changed other than the jacket that we put on, and the jacket was the thing that did all the work, not necessarily us. God this morning is wanting to tell you, listen, the story of redemption is so beautiful because if you will just put off your old self and put on my likeness, watch what I will do as I flow through you. Watch the life that will be birthed if you would just trust me. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 25, says this, Therefore, well, we know in Scripture, anytime there's a therefore, there's a reason that the therefore is there. And the therefore, as Paul is saying, as I talked about last, or a couple weeks ago, he's saying, put off the old and put on the new. And as a result, this is what will happen when you do that. He's saying, therefore, put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, 
doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, this is interesting. I was doing some reading this week. Did you know that the most common places for thieves to steal from in this time were two places, the docks and the public bathhouse? I was like, man, that's interesting. Obviously, they would steal from the bathhouse because what are you going to do if you're showering naked and someone steals your clothes? You're not going to run out after them. There was no catching them. And so they would trap these people who were like, well, I can steal everything here because there's no way they can come after me anyway unless they just want to expose themselves. And so Paul is saying, listen, this transformation, if you have been stealing, let him labor, let him do honest work. But get this, I, want, I don't want us to miss this because I think there's a valuable lesson for the church. Not so that you can gain a whole bunch more for your, stu- for your own self and your own stuff. He said, no, actually learn to be an honest worker so that you can share with someone who's in need. We don't, we don't work to just get. We also work to give We work to be a blessing because Christ has been a blessing to us. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And then Paul says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And then he says this, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Now listen, the first thing I want to see here is that Paul says, look at what he says, be angry and do not sin, Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. See, what I want us to see is that anger in itself is not sin. We can be righteously angry towards something and not sin. In fact, it is not sin to be angry when someone is mistreated. It is not sin to be angry when maybe a loved one is engaged in self-destructive behavior. It is not sin to be angry when you see someone wandering far from God. Paul is saying, listen, he said, be angry. Just don't sin in your anger. Be angry towards the things that break the heart of God. Just don't sin in that. Listen, here's what I would say. Anger leads to sin when it begins to gain control of us. Paul is saying... Because of this old life, you used to just be angry. You just used to give yourselves this anger. He said, it's okay to be angry at things that break the heart of God. Anger in itself is not a sin if it's towards the righteousness and holiness of God. If it's like, man, that just breaks my heart. I can't believe that that person is being mistreated that way. That just breaks the heart of God. That that should bring anger. That should bring some frustration. But Paul is saying, just don't sin in your response to it. He's saying, be angry in the right way. Jesus, in fact, himself got terribly angry at times. (laughs) Mark 3, the scribes and Pharisees are watching to see if Jesus would heal this man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. They're watching to see, Jesus, you're going to work on the Sabbath? I know what the law says. And he begins to heal this man, and it just brought this uprise in them. Like, how dare him heal this man on the Sabbath? See, I want you to hear this, though. Jesus was not angry in their criticism of him. He was actually angry in the rigidness to which they clung to the law at the expense of another suffering human being. Mark 3, 5 said this, and he looked at them with anger grieved at their hardness of heart and then Jesus heals the man with the withered hand and immediately the scribes and Pharisees begin a plot to kill him see what angered Jesus was the fact that these scribes and Pharisees were more worried about the rigidness to the law and legalism than they did the brokenness of someone created in the image of God that caused him to be angry 
John chapter 2, the Passover was at hand, and the Jews were all coming to Jerusalem to make sacrifices to God. And outside the temple, there were these merchants who were selling sheep and anything to sacrifice. And Jesus came in, and he's like, what the heck? You've made my house a den of robbers. See, Jesus was angry that people's first encounter when they entered the house of God was just this of honestly being scammed. They were selling these things so that they could sacrifice to God, but they were marking them up tenfold and saying, all right, you can come buy from me, but I gotcha because you got to pay top dollar for this sacrifice. Made Jesus angry. He went in and flipped tables. And see, this is what he was angry at, that the nature and character of his father was being squandered. It is okay to be angry at the things that break the heart of God. In fact, I would say this, that some of us may be sinning by never having any righteous anger and just accepting heresy and just accepting false teaching and just accepting a manipulation of the gospel to say, oh yeah, it's okay. God's just love. Just come to him. We just need to have our little self-help club. But as long as you know that God is love, everything is okay. That breaks the heart of God because it's not the gospel. See, there can be righteous anger towards things that are defaming the character and nature of God. There was a pastor's wife a famous pastor and she said this when you come to church when you worship him you're not doing it for God really you're doing it for yourself because that's what makes God happy that's not okay and that's not the heart of God that would anger Jesus to think that his father was being manipulated we don't worship for ourselves we worship because he is worthy to be worshiped we worship because he is worthy to be praised we come in here and we should lift our hands because he is worthy of all adoration and it has nothing to do with us it has everything to do that there was this amazing God that in spite of us chose to set us free and redeem us the story of redemption but I want you to hear me because some of you in this room may be very good at this righteous anger. But you know what? Even righteous anger, if held on too long, gives the devil a foothold. Because we can become self-righteous. We can become divisive. Oh, well, I got it all figured out. Yeah, this, this guy over here, yeah, that breaks the heart of God, but I got all the answers. I, I'm the professional Christian. And I, listen, that is what leads to sin. Paul says, be angry, but do not sin but i want to touch on one thing why is this important because paul says give no opportunity to the devil listen <laughs> caroline and i have had some arguments in our marriage and i have let the sun set on that and it does not do anyone any good Paul is warning us. He's saying, listen, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to have this righteous anger. Just don't sin while doing it. There's this fine line. But then he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger to give the devil an opportunity. Do you know how many marriages are severed and relationships are broken and people are hurt because we hang on to bitterness and we hang on to this anger in the name of righteousness. But guess what? If it's if you're letting the sun set on that, it's not in the name of righteousness. Paul is saying, listen, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to do that. But don't let the sun go down on your anger. Because if you do with your spouse, it gives the devil an opportunity to do his work and weasel his way in. And before you know it, you wake up and you're like, what the heck happened to my marriage? What the heck happened in my relationship? What the heck happened in myself? Like, I don't understand. Listen, the devil is looking for any way possible to destroy and divide. And bitterness and holding on to anger is one of his greatest ways to do it. See, the longer you let quarrel and anger flourish, the more bitter it will grow. Paul then goes on to say, this, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. Grieve literally means this, to be sad or sorrowful. And really, we grieve the Spirit when we live in our old self, is what 
Paul is saying. When we just give ourselves to our old way of life, we grieve the Spirit of God. See, if we really understood the power of the Holy Spirit, it would grieve us to grieve Him. It just would. We just don't really understand the power of it. I would put it this way. Grieving is like this. When you're a child and you act against maybe the counsel of your parents and you do something that hurts you, it grieves your parents. It makes them sorrowful and sad. And they're just like, man, it breaks my heart that I gave them this counsel. They disregarded it. And now here's the consequences. It causes great sorrow and pain. Maybe you're a parent in this room and you've experienced that with one of your children. Paul is saying the same thing that really grieving the spirit of this is when we act against the counsel of God, we grieve the spirit of God because it hurts the heart of God. And all these things, Paul is saying, listen, these things hurt the heart of God. This is the reason God died. This is the reason Jesus came was to do away with the old and put on the new. So here's what I want to do with the few minutes that we have. I want to walk through each of these, but I want to spend less time on this and more time on, okay, it's not just about putting this off. It's about what are we going to put on? How are we going to put on the likeness of God so that the result is the freedom that he has come to offer. The first one is this though. Paul says, let all bitterness be put away. What is bitterness? It's long-standing resentment. It's a spirit that refuses to be reconciled. This gives the devil an opportunity and a foothold for division and destruction. See, many of us have a way of nursing our anger to keep it warm and alive and we brood over the insults and injuries we have received, and it just begins to create this bitterness inside, and we hold this grudge against someone. Maybe you have it this morning. You're holding bitterness against someone in your life, and it's just starting to fester, and it's starting to eat you alive. Maybe it's someone that you have sought reconciliation with, and they haven't wanted to reconcile or maybe it's just something that happened years and years ago i want to tell you this that bitterness is destroying you from the inside out because it's giving the devil a foothold there's a reason paul says put it off you've been made new like don't cling to that if once you really understand the weight by which you have been forgiven you then can forgive but you have to let it Go, we cannot cling to bitterness. I'm just telling you this morning, this has been my prayer all week as we walk through each of these just for a couple minutes. That if this is something you're struggling with, that today would be the day that God reveals himself to you in such a powerful way that you could just let it go. Life is too short to hold on to bitterness. Bitterness is of the old self, not the likeness of God. Number two, Paul says, put off wrath. What's interesting about this word is it literally means outbreaks of passion. The Greeks related it to the kind of anger that is like a flame that comes from straw. It quickly blazes and quickly subsides. I think we have a photo here, I hope, of a grass fire. This is the image of what Paul is saying this word means. It means that maybe you're the type of person that you're easily triggered and as this grass fire burns, as quickly as it burns the straw or the grass and then moves on, all that's left behind is a smoldering, charred mess. It destroys it in a moment. Maybe you struggle with that this morning. Maybe you're like, that's me, man. I don't understand. Like, my temper is so short and I say things and I do things and then that's what I leave in my wake is people are charred and smoldering and hurting. And I don't want to be that type of person. Stay tuned because as we put on the likeness of God, that can go away. But you have to put on his likeness if you don't want to leave a charred, smoldering mess in your past. Maybe you can relate Maybe you have wrath that is triggered and ignited very quickly. Maybe you burst out in heated anger and you burn someone up and then you just leave them smoldering in your wake. And you find yourself being quite irritable. Paul is saying, listen, because of what Jesus has done, you can put that off and you can put on what is new and you can be an all new person. 
but it doesn't depend on you. It depends on the power of the Spirit and your willingness to put on the likeness of Christ. Number three is this, anger, he says, which this in the Greek is really long-lived anger, anger that becomes habitual. This is not a righteous anger that Paul is talking about, but this long-lived anger gives the devil a foothold. Maybe you find yourself in that place this morning, harboring anger, and you're just like, it becomes your, who you are. You're just angry all the time, and you're like, I don't even know why I'm angry, but I'm just an angry angry person maybe it's because of something that happened in your past maybe it's because of a parent or a father figure that you did not have maybe it's because of some relationship that was broken maybe it's because of something you experienced but you just find yourself being man I'm like I don't know why I am so angry all the time Paul is saying listen if you will put on the likeness of Christ that too can go away and we are called to put it off when we have been made brand new. The fourth one that he says is this, put off clamor. <laughs> this one, full disclosure, I struggle with. Clamor is loud talking, and it often occurs when you're trying to prove a point. <laughs> You've been there? I have. Caroline can probably attest. So can my mom, I'm sure, and my dad. But I work on this one often because it gives the devil a foothold. Maybe you're the type of person where you get in this discussion and you're so passionate about it and you're so burdened for it and you begin to try to just prove your point over and over and over. And the more that you try to prove your point, the more your voice elevates and the more your passion comes out and the more then you start to scream and you're like, and you're not even hearing what anyone else is saying. And you're just like rising up inside in this clamor and your blood pressure spikes and your face turns beet red. And by the time the discussion's over, you're like, man, I got him on that one. Ever been there? I have. It's one I struggle with. And Paul is saying, listen, you got to put that off. If you're in a discussion or an argument and your voice begins to rise, honestly, it's time to just stop talking. Recollect and start anew. There was a famous preacher, uh, and he had that struggle. I don't know, maybe it's just a preacher thing, but... Uh, he had that struggle, and I loved it because he was talking with his wife one day, and she said this, hey, babe, in the pulpit, keep your voice down. I've had to work on the same thing because I can feel something so deeply and so passionately, and it just starts to come out, and it's, all of a sudden, it's just like, man, people just like feel like they're being beat down with something, and it's like, man, Luke, God, would you help me? Would you help me in my clamor? Would you help me in my countenance, in the way that I say things, in the way that I protrude, and the things that I do? Like, I just want to be in the counsel, the character, the nature of God. I don't want to be overbearing. See, what happens when we begin to raise our voice is we don't draw people in. We actually push them away. And Paul is saying, you want to draw people in in the same way that Christ has drawn you in? Put off your clamor, put off your raising of your voice, and just begin to listen. The last one is this, slander. This is insulting language, and this one definitely gives the devil an opportunity. It's an action of making a false spoken statement damaging to one's reputation. The crazy thing is this can also occur when you live in righteous anger too long. When we begin to think that we have it figured out and no one else does, did you know that there are reputations murdered every day through gossip? And you know what gossip's greatest mask is? You've probably heard it. And I'm about to tell you something, but it's nothing that I wouldn't have told them or I'd actually already told them to their face. I've told them the same thing, but now I'm just going to tell you. It's gossip. It's slander. If it's not building someone up, it's slander. If it's not rising them, bringing them up, yeah, sure, there's struggle, but we get in it, man. It's like, man, did you hear what so-and-so did? I've had this conversation with them, though, just so you know. I'm not saying anything that I wouldn't have told them, but, but man. And then the devil gets this foothold because then the conversation begins to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And soon it's stuff that you actually hadn't talked to them about, but you just start talking about them to someone. And then their reputation is murdered because of your slander. 
I've had, I mean, I've heard people, stuff come back to me about myself, and I'm like, dang, I didn't know I was that type of person, but apparently someone thinks that I am. It was nothing that I did. It's just, that's how the gossip train works. And Paul is saying, listen, you have been made all new. You need to put off that slander. Talk about things that are pure and righteous and holy. Build one another up in love. Don't cut them down. Don't cut their legs out from under them. Build them up because slander destroys and murders others' reputation. And usually the reputation is false that murders them. Paul is saying, you got to put that off. All that to say this, though, Paul is saying to put all of that off, but here's the deal. (laughs) And this is the crux of everything. Paul is not just saying to put it off. Remember what I said last week? It's not sufficient, or two weeks ago, it's not sufficient to just put off. You also have to put on. Paul is not saying, listen, you've been, your old self is gone, so just quit being angry and quit being bitter and quit being wrathful and quit slandering and quit malice and quit all of these things as in like we just do it in our own strength. That's not what he's saying. You know how I know? Because look how he ends the section. He says, but put all away with all malice, but then he says this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. How? As God forgave you in Christ. See, here's how we combat the devil's schemes, and here's how we limit his opportunity. It's not just to put off anger, it's not just to put off bitterness, and it's not just to put off slander, but it's actually when we put on the likeness of Christ. Look at verse 24. It says, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. See, the likeness of Christ looks like this. Paul says it. Kindness, tenderness, and forgiveness. That's how he sums it up. See, it's actually his kindness that leads to repentance. Romans 2.4 Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Do you know what the greatest battle to the devil's scheme is to limit his opportunity and give him a foothold is this, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiving the person that makes you angry. Forgiving the person that makes you want to slander Forgiving the person that rises up bitterness inside of your soul. Why? Because it's very hard to be bitter when you have truly forgiven them. It's really hard to be angry when you have forgiven them. It's really hard to hold a grudge when you have forgiven them in the same way that God has forgiven you. But listen, it's not just any kind of forgiveness. It's not like a forgiveness that the world offers. Because Paul didn't say just forgive him. No, he said forgive them as God in Christ has forgiven you. See, we forgive others with the same forgiveness that God has extended to you. It's a different kind of forgiveness. It's an unmerited forgiveness. It's a forgiveness that my mind literally cannot comprehend. Did you know that you cannot truly forgive until you realize the full weight by which you yourself have been forgiven. Think about it. Do you really understand the weight by which you have been forgiven by a holy and a righteous and a loving God? Do you really understand what he has done by sacrificing his own son so that you did not have to die, but you could live to the fullness of life? Paul is saying this is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not put off anger in your own strength and malice in your own strength and do all this stuff. He's like, no, just realize and rest in the forgiveness that God has given you. And I want to say this before we spend the rest of our few minutes here. We often as Christians view the word of God and the gospel as being good news for someone else. And we often hear a message like this and in our mind is, Man, this is awesome. Man, my husband, I hope he's listening. 
man, this message is for so-and-so. They are so angry all the time. Man, this message, I can't, this person is holding this bitterness against me. Man, this message is for them. May I remind you, no, this message is for you and for me. Forgiveness is a message for me. And if we go through the rest of this time thinking of someone else that this is for, we will miss what God is wanting to say to us, and we will miss redemption. So here's my prayer with the last few minutes, that with this stuff that we're about to walk through, that you would see it through a lens of, God, would you open my eyes and soften my heart to see the goodness of who you are? so that I can be the type of person that forgives as you have forgiven me. See, the beauty of forgiveness is this, that it is unmerited. We did not deserve God's forgiveness. And if you have accepted his forgiveness and if you believed upon the name of Jesus, you are also to extend that same forgiveness. And it's often and usually and most likely to someone who is undeserving. But guess what? So was I when Jesus laid down his life for me. Forgiveness is unmerited. See, it's not putting on the likeness of... See, here's what I would say is that putting on the likeness of God produces fruit, but it also compels forgiveness. It's, like I said, difficult to harbor bitterness when you realize that you have truly been forgiven. It's harder to break out in anger when your heart is tender, like Paul is saying. And it's difficult to slander when you see that God doesn't slander you in your own mistakes. God's not in heaven saying, did you see Luke, what he did? Telling all his angel friends, did you see that? Luke did that, and man, he did all of this stuff, and it's just like this game of telephone starts spiraling. No, that's not God. He just looks at me and like, man, Luke... That's all right, man. Like, let's get going. I'm for you. I'm fighting for you. I love you. I'm not slandering you. I'm just fighting for you. Just get up and walk again. Get up and fall back to Jesus. See, true forgiveness does not give others what they do deserve, but it gives them what they do not deserve. And Jesus himself modeled this. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 25 says this. For to you, this is who have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Don't miss that. He gave us an example to follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. But then it says this, but when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly, his father. And then it says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Why? That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. This is forgiveness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were all strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is mind-boggling to me, that God is just not asking us to forgive because he doesn't really know what it's like to suffer or to be slandered or to be reviled against. No, he lived it all, and we are to follow him. His example, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. You ever been there? And you suffered something so deeply. You experienced some pain that... I don't even know, and maybe your result is, man, to threaten someone or to come back at someone or launch out or lash out. Or That's not the heart of God, and that's not the likeness of God to which we were created to put on. See, the key to not giving the devil a foothold is this, not so much in what you put off, but in what are you putting on. And doing it in your own strength is nothing more than moral reform and God's not into moral reform God's into heart reform and it starts with him see you can't do it by yourself you can't 
quit being angry by yourself. You can't just quit slandering, maybe for a moment, maybe for a couple hours, you're good in your flesh, and then you revert right back. See, God is saying, listen, I'm not saying just to put this off in your own strength and do it all on your own. No, I'm saying come to me, put on the likeness of me, let me transform you, let me flow through you, and the more you understand my forgiveness for you, the more you will just begin to forgive, the more your anger will begin to subside because you begin to see people through my eyes and my lens and not through the lens of your old self that I'm asking you to put off and I'm asking you to put on me. The last thing I want you to leave here is this message of moral reform. Well, I just have to quit sinning. (laughs) I just have to quit being angry. I just have to, people have tried that for generations and tens of thousands of years. It doesn't work. The power of the Holy Spirit will do amazing things if you will put on the likeness of God. He is the one that does the work. You just walk in obedience and trust him with the results. And it's a process. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh man, I'm just not an angry person anymore. No, maybe you just make a little choice. Okay, God, just remind me of your faithfulness. Just remind me of who you are. Next time I want to lash out, God, would you remind me of what you have done for me? And soon, over time, you will begin to look more like God. So here's the question, though. What does God look like? If we were to put on his likeness, what is his likeness? Because it's like, oh, yeah, no, I, don't, I can put something on, but I don't even know what that is. I want you to hear something out of Exodus 34. God has just told Moses to leave Sinai. He said, it's time to move towards the promised land. And Moses is like, God, that's great. I will lead these people, but I do not want to go if your favor is not upon me. That's a sermon in itself. But Moses is having this interaction with God. He's like, God, just show me your glory. Show me that you're with me. Show me that you fight for me. Show me that your favor is upon me. And God says this, Moses You can't see my face, you can't see my glory and live because I am so holy. Anyone that sees my face shall surely die. But then God comes to Moses and he says this, But Moses, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock. And I'm going to answer your prayer and I'm going to let my glory pass by. But what I'm going to do, Moses, in my tenderness and my care for you, is I'm going to put my hand out and I'm going to cover your face as I pass by so that you don't see my glory. Because if you see my glory in my face, you will surely die. So the Bible says that God passes by and just as he told him, he puts him in the cleft of a rock and in his gracious kindness covers his face and passes by. And then the Bible says that God removes his hand and God and Moses sees God's back as he passed by this manifest glory of God God just answering the prayers of Moses but also protecting him for his own good and as he passes by he says this and I don't want you to miss it Exodus 34 6 through 7 the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord a God merciful and gracious slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. You don't want to know what the likeness of God is? He says it right here. He proclaims who he is. He is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He keeps his love. It does not end. He forgives iniquity and sin, but he is also just and will judge sin. This is the likeness of God. So when we are saying put on the likeness of God, as Paul says, that we are created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, he's saying this, this is what it means to be in the likeness of God. You are merciful and you are gracious. You are slow to anger. You are abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. You keep his love. You forgive iniquity and sin. There's the word, forgiveness. It's mind-blowing. But we just want to put off all these things and have moral reform and put 
on this new life, but we totally bypass what forgiveness truly is. Listen, if we will begin to put on the likeness of God which you were created in, God will begin to do amazing things. See, this is the likeness that we're to put on as Christians, but sadly, we often do not. Yeah, I want to forgive that person, but you have no idea what they did to me. Yeah, I don't want, I'm bitter towards this person, but I have very good reason to be bitter. May I remind you that God is also angry at sin. But it did not stop him from pursuing you and offering forgiveness. May I remind you that in your bitterness and in your anger and in your pain, we were all that to God and he lavishly offered the forgiveness of sins. Listen. Please hear me. There may be someone in your life that you have held bitterness on for far too long. And you are professing to be a believer. And you're saying, but Luke, you don't know the pain and you don't know the hurt and you don't know what I've been through. And you know what I say? You are 1,000% right. I do not, but God does. And you know what I say? We don't have an option. Because of the lavish forgiveness that Christ has given us, we are also to forgive as we put on his likeness. Did you know that you holding bitterness is doing nothing but destroying you from the inside out? Did you know that you being angry at someone for something that they did years ago and not extending forgiveness is just destroying you from the inside out? Do you know how much power there is in forgiveness? God moves through the forgiveness. He moves. That's, how, that's the whole gospel. If you're new to church, man, if you're new to Bible, if you're new to anything, that's the gospel. Is that I was an angry person. I was filled with bitterness. I was dead in my sin. I deserved nothing good. I did not deserve the lavish grace of God. In fact, what I deserved was his judgment on my sin, which he will judge sin one day. But God said, That's not, that, I can't deal with that, man. I, I want my people to come back. And so in God's goodness, he said, yeah, Luke, even in your anger towards me, even in your bitterness towards me, even in your running from me, even in your destruction, even in all of that, I am so good that I don't hold that against you. I will forgive you if you will come to me. That is the beauty of the gospel, that God has forgiven my old self so I can put on the new self, the likeness of him, and watch what the Spirit of God will do as you walk in obedience. None of us deserved his forgiveness, but he lavishly gave it anyway. Listen to what James, Jesus' brother, speaks to this same model. He says this, James 1, 19 through 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Sounds a whole lot like God. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What did it say in verse 24? That we are created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. See, here's the problem. Are you someone, or if you're like me, the problem is I'm often slow to hear and quick to speak, and quick to become angry. As we put on the likeness of God, we begin to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. See, here's my prayer this morning as we wrap up. That we would be a people that are quick to forgive because we know how much we have been forgiven ourselves. That we would be a people that are quick to hear because we know that God is quick to hear us. That we would be a people that are slow to speak because we are quick to hear. That we would be a people that are slow to become angry because that's how God is with us. The one in whom which we are to put on the likeness of. See, if you're like me, you're often very slow to hear because when someone starts speaking, you feel attacked and 
You don't really want to hear. You just want to speak. You just want to be quick to speak. You don't really want to hear what someone's saying. And then when you're quick to speak, you begin to be quick to be angry and your blood pressure rises and your face turns beet red. And then you say things that you regret and you look back and you're like, man, I was like that grass fire. I just burned someone up and I left them smoldering in my wake and I don't understand why. Here's why. Because for a moment, maybe you let your guard down and you let the likeness of God just kind of fall away and you reverted back to your old self. God is just saying, hey, that's okay. Just put away that and put back on my likeness. Put back on the QU super down and let me be the one who warms you. Let me be the one who does the work. And when you mess up and when you go back to that old jacket, man, just throw it away again. Come back to me and watch what will happen over time as you fully lean into the likeness of God. You will slowly begin to be slower to speak, quick to listen. Slow to become angry. But it's a process. And so here's my prayer this morning if the band wants to come up. Would today be a day of forgiveness redemption and reconciliation in some relationship in your life would today be the day that you quit trying in your own moral reform to just stop being angry but rather put on the likeness of god would today be the day that you stop just saying i'm just not going to be a bitter person anymore i'm just going to put that away that'll work for about 24 hours and then you'll be back to being bitter But will you actually put on the likeness of God, the fullness of who he is, to rest in the goodness of who this great God is? And here's my prayer. Is there someone in your life this morning that you need to forgive? Someone that you've been holding on to for far too long and maybe the reason you're angry is totally justifiable. It's totally warranted because you have been deeply wounded and you have been deeply hurt and the things that someone has said to you or done to you are like a knife to the heart that they just jammed in and kept twisting and twisting and twisting and then they watched the blood just fall out and fall to the ground and you're like, that's me, man. They put the knife in deep and they stabbed me in the side and blood began to fall and I just watched it go and it's totally justifiable that I would be angry. Guess what? Sounds a whole lot like the gospel. Every one of us has stuck the knife right in Jesus' heart and just began to twist it and watched his blood flow to the ground And we were angry with God. We were enemies of God. And God had every justifiable reason to not offer forgiveness. But guess what? He didn't do that. Why? Forgiveness is unmerited. If we are going to walk like Jesus walked, we have to forgive like Jesus forgave. If we're going to walk like God, we have to forgive like God Here's my prayer, and it has been all week. Today would be the day of reconciliation. Today would be the day of forgiveness for someone that you've been harboring bitterness for far too long. And even if it's justifiable, remember, me being separated from God for all of eternity was also justifiable, but Jesus made a way. He offered forgiveness where he didn't have to. He did the things that we could not do. Why? So that we could put on his likeness. We could put on the jacket, the righteous robe of Christ and watch as he does it all for us. He's the one that warms us. There's nothing different in me between the old jacket and the new jacket other than the new jacket actually keeps me warm. And it's the jacket that does it. It's Jesus that does it in your life. And if you don't have Jesus, I'm sorry, but you will never be able to put off those old ways of life and those old self you can for a moment, but it's nothing more than moral reform. Come to him. I wish you could feel it. I wish you could see it. Man, the more I get to know God, the more I'm blown away by him. The more I get to know God, the more that I realize I can't do it on my own. But his spirit is able and his spirit 
is sufficient. See, if you will focus more on what you're putting on than off, slowly bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice will begin to fall away. If you will put on the new jacket, the likeness of God, watch what he will do. Father, I thank you for this morning. God, and it's not past me this morning that there are people in this room that are deeply hurting and justifiably so. Maybe their anger and their bitterness and their wrath is totally warranted. For someone that has sinned against them in such a grievous way, God, that my mind can't even comprehend. Maybe there's someone in this room has sinned against someone else. And maybe someone else has been trying to come and ask for their forgiveness, but in their bitterness, they just won't allow it because of what they have done to them. Father, I pray right now by the power of your spirit, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead for the forgiveness of sins, that you would strengthen them, empower them, give them the ability to put on your likeness, God, to be slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Would you give us the ability to forgive, God, to forget sin. You say when you forgive our sin for as far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. And then you also say in your word that you remember our sins no more. That is a mind-blowing thing. Father, but for someone in this room that needs to be set free, would you free them? And maybe for the first time in their entire life, would they put on your likeness? Would they put off the old and put on you and watch what you will do through a surrendered people who will walk in obedience. God, do what my words cannot, what only your spirit can, and do a miracle in this place. We love you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.